This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Going to be checking your comments as we go through the show. So if you're watching live and you've got something to say, do get involved in the conversation. Our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show each week. And we have one new patron member joining us in the last week. So a huge thank you and a welcome to Colin Lewis, who's joined the Bobby Stokes tier. Thank you to Colin. We really do appreciate your support. And I'll have more on how you can join us in just a moment. Coming up this week on the podcast, after that heavy defeat at Sunderland, we were told that lessons would be learned and we'd see a reaction against Leicester. Well, couldn't have gone any worse, really, could it? Going to review that game and ask just how do we stop conceding so many goals? Uh, we go again on Tuesday evening when Ipswich are the visitors to St Mary's. Ben from the Blue Monday podcast will join us very soon to preview that one. And that's followed by another long trip north to Middlesbrough at the weekend. And Dana from the Borough Breakdown podcast is going to be on later to help us preview the game. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined by our regular contributors, Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is back with us after his holidays, the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten. And Alfie House is the senior Southampton reporter for The Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 243 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Now, before we kick off the football chat, just a quick shout out for our patron community. The monthly contributions fully support the show and we couldn't make TSP without their support. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has different perks like access to an ad-free version of the pod, exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. There's the TSP FPL, access to our TSP events and much more. Going to be checking in on the FPL scores later 
later in the season. And there's more on how to access some of the TSP events coming up in the next few months. If you do want to get involved and support TSP each month, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details. All the links are in the podcast show notes and the YouTube description. So on to the football Friday night, under the lights, in front of the TV cameras, and we were all hoping for a positive reaction after that Sunderland defeat. What we saw was nothing short of a shambles, really. Glenn, you missed the fun last week. Now, you may have thought you missed the annual heavy defeat, but it seemed like it was more of the same on Friday. I don't, I don't think they really had many lessons at all. Um, no, we were we were brilliant for the first 15 seconds, and, um, and then we gave the ball away, and the ball ended up in our net from our own kickoff after um after 21 seconds as we all saw yeah quite a quite a special start when you um when you would think that you'd be just trying to keep things tight at the opening of a game which is at the end of the day was against the team that's favorites to win the league this year so it it was always going to be a very difficult game and you know letting in a goal after 21 seconds obviously sets the tone for the rest of the game and to be honest we didn't we didn't really do anything other than be a complete and utter shambles whenever Leicester had the ball um, for for 90 minutes. 2-0 um, down after, what was it, about 15 when we gave the ball away yet again, close to our goal. Got one back through putting their defence under a little bit of pressure. And from then to a half time, we actually... We actually looked quite decent, and and it you know it, it didn't look beyond the realms of possibility that we we'd get back into it, and just when a normal team would have some sort of game management and get to half time, just the two one down, and then you can you know change a few things, tweak a few things, and then hopefully get back into it second half. Uh, we let in another goal with horrendous weak defending, people bouncing off of tackles, people not picking up runners. Our midfield didn't track a runner all game. So every time, every time a midfield player from Leicester got forward, he, he basically was totally free on the edge of the box, and three-one, and the game, the game's virtually over. I thought at half-time we could have made some substitutions to make a difference. Personally, I'd have put Holgate on, even though he had a shocker last weekend, and put Charles in midfield. So at least then you'd have had Charles and Downs, some sort of midfield structure, perhaps. But he made a like-for-like substitution, which all that really did was take off our best attacker, Radozi, and put on put on Suleimana. So, yeah, first 10 minutes of the second half, again, we looked, we looked the better side. And then we coughed up what is possibly the biggest joke goal you, you've ever seen. I mean, one player running through from 70 yards out. And all we've got in defence is one player on the halfway line who can't tackle and can't run. So... Again, a horrendous structural mistake to to be left like that. And the the rest of the game kind of petered out. And then just to add insult to injury, we got one sent off in the last minute, which was a bit of a Bobby Madley special because I don't think um, Bobby hadn't been involved enough in the um, in the game up till that point and hadn't had too much to do so he uh, he decided to uh, have people talking about him for the last minute but uh, Bobby Madley is not the reason we lost I just thought the way the way we set up the way we went about it I couldn't see what the defensive structure was supposed to be when we didn't have the ball I mean we're, we're doing all this very clever allegedly inverted fullback thing which is a stupid term doesn't make any sense so we were kind of three at the back when we had the ball but when we didn't have the ball, I had no idea who was supposed to be where. And it, Harwood Bellis was completely on his own. 
in defence half the time. Manning supported him a little bit, but no one else was there. Shay Charles was wide right. I don't know what Smallbone was doing defensively. He, he just nowhere. And and Downs had a terrible game till he got injured. It was it was just awful. When when we get to the game against Ipswich, and he picks the team, only really Gavin Bazunu can be sure of his place or should be sure of his place to start because everyone else was dreadful. Some were more dreadful than others. But it was just a shocking performance by management, players, everything really. Going to get on to, well, we'll talk about the red card, of course, but we'll get on to some of the, the biggest issues, what the pressing issues are for us and what they have to do to, to sort that out. But I mean, Steve, is this worse than anything we've seen for, for quite a few years? Because to me, it, it felt like it driving home on, on Friday. I mean, we've been bad before, but two heavy defeats in a row and, and it doesn't look like it's going to change. Difficult to tell because you always kind of want to put it in context of who you're up against. I mean, it's weird that, I mean, people are, I mean, various um, journalists who are obviously good personal friends of Enzo Maresca have been uh, working themselves up into a bit of a frenzy this this season about how Leicester are changing how championship football is going to be played when, I mean, literally only last season, Vincent Company had Burnley playing passing football. It's not a, it's not a novel concept at this level for Guillaume Balaguer's um, benefit. But yeah, it's, it's just one, just frustrating that, I think kind of from the start, we all probably looked looked at that lineup and thought, ooh, that midfield is is looking shorthanded. Because while Adam Armstrong has looked quite good in that sort of deep role, pushing forward in attack when we are attacking, the problem is that if you're then putting the two smaller players in Downs and Smallbone, if those are your two pivots, then we've basically got no strength in that midfield at all. Um, and that was basically why Shea Charles was bought in the first place. He was bought to play t- defensive midfield. So play him defensive midfield. We've looked we've looked a much better structure when he's been playing in that position. Um, that half an hour against Norwich and the whole game at Plymouth where he got man the match, deservedly so. And all of a sudden, because of an injury and because Mason Holgate had an absolute shambles of a game on debut... Um, we've decided, oh no, safety net is to put him back in defence. But all that does is it is expose the back four to runners from midfield. Because Downs and Smallbone don't track the runners. That's their their role in the Russell Martin system isn't really defensive. Um so you do need somebody who is of a defensive mind, and Charles certainly is that, to basically sit in front of the back four and and shuttle across and do do that. Um, defensive work and we've seen that that obviously he's already he's already shown that he's capable of doing that but yeah without without him in that in that slot all of a sudden the midfield is just weak and just you can just drive drive a drive a bus through it and as a result it means that the attack gets blunted because all of a sudden we're all dropping 10 20 yards because the opposition are running at us and and unsurprisingly it scares defenders and and teams when when the opposition are running at you and in a game where we where we could easily have been making the running, as we were for, as Glenn said, about 20, 25 minutes at the back end of that first half, where we were well on top. Once we go 3-1 down, you're then, you're then back, to, back into that situation of, well, Leicester are going to be quite happy just to sit in and pick us off on the yeah. break. And, I mean, as, as he said, I mean, that fourth goal, I mean, that fourth goal is the sort of goal that teams score in the 94th, 95th minute when when you're only a goal down and you've thrown everybody forward. Or kids at school. Yeah, it's yeah, but mm. but you've you've ended up somehow with the last man, with our last man being Smallbone on the edge of the centre circle in their half, 
um, and they've had four <laughs> players run past him. It's like, how, how does that even happen? And that's like on the hour mark. It's just absolutely mental that we're that we've that we've got ourselves into that lack of shape and lack of positional discipline. Let's be honest, we were warned about this sort of stuff with with um with Russell Martin from Swansea fans. And yeah, we we certainly saw them concede a fair few shambolic goals, but I'd be surprised if any of them were quite at that level. And it's yeah, I mean it's it's concerning. I mean he he can come out and say that he's proud of his players after the game, but the the more you come out with nonsense like that, the the quicker people are gonna are gonna make make a snap judgment. Yeah. Because while I think at the start of the season, obviously patience was 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 the optimal word. People were sort of being asked to be to be patient. Mistakes are going to be made. We're not going to win every game. Um, there will there will be defensive howlers. At the end of the day, we we saw plenty of that last season. So nobody was under any illusions there. But the second you start coming out and basically trying to tell people that the sky is pink when it's blue. People aren't stupid. They can, mm. they can see what's in front of their eyes. It's not f- football is a complex game in many ways, but the very basics are very basic, and people can see that we're a defensive shambles, and that, yeah, that comes down to the coaching. Right. Yeah. That comes to the, co- the coaching coaching team and the the analysts and stuff, and and it's not it's not good enough, frankly. He could maybe get away with saying that if we were losing games by the odd goal, but we've been absolutely mm. smashed two games running. So as Steve said, Nathan Jones lost games by the odd goal, and he didn't get away with saying that sort of thing either. So <laughs> no, we've been annihilated. Then, then nobody funny. liked nobody liked Nathan Jones. That was no. that was that was the the thing. Nobody was willing to give him that hmm. um, that extra long bit of rope because at the end of the day, they, he didn't need a long bit of rope. Russell Martin's come in, come in, and up until the last two weeks has largely said the right things. After Sunderland, yeah, okay, um, it was a it was a complete mess, and he said so, and he kind of accepted responsibility for it. But coming out after a game like game like Friday nights where at the end of the day we've probably played worse um overall than we did than we did at Sunderland. And saying that he's proud of the players and and this sort of stuff. No, nah, I'm sorry, that's that's just nonsense. Alfie he deserves a bit of criticism, I think, because of the goals that we've conceded, but there's not a lot he can do about the the individual errors. To a certain extent, that's on the players, right? And and mm. I think the interview with Carl Walker Peters afterwards was was interesting and he was saying, Well, we're not doing what he's asking us to do. So I mean how much of the blame do they need to take for for the current predicament? Yeah, well, I think just uh, that's a really interesting listen to you, Stephen Glenn. To be fair, because it's um, it's quite interesting to hear. I don't agree that it was worse than Sunderland. I, I don't think it was. I think the Sunderland one was was definitely a worse performance. Uh, defensively, they were a shambles. But sort of as you said, Martin, you know, to, to concede a goal in the twenty first second of the game is absolutely ludicrous. And that's just simple passing. They haven't tried anything expansive. They haven't tried to invite pressure and, and play around anybody. They just tried to play a simple pass, giving it away, and then you know everybody's too slow to react. The second goal is very similar. You know, Swanson has uh, stitched goal competitors up a little bit with a shocking pass. And then I thought that Taylor Howard Bellis, you know, I'm sure that he'll be a really good player this season, but I thought he could have just diverted the ball anywhere, but towards where it went at the back post. And then, and then you know, like like Glenn said, they, they were in the game. It wasn't awful for the rest of the first half. They were in the game. They could have been in at 2-1. You know, I think uh, there's a couple of misses as well. But then to to give that goal away in the halftime again, just as they did for Pierre Equa, just at halftime at Sunderland. Um, you know, if, if you look at the goal, why is Samadozi in that position? And that's management for sure, or, or it's players not doing their job. Why is Samadozi the one that's tackling on the edge of the area? And then when he's beaten, you know, Flynn Downs, if you look at the goal, his two centre-backs are to the left shoulder of him. The ball goes through to the right to a runner and he just 
he just lets them walk on. He lets them carry on and lets them roll right through. There's absolutely no defence at all, no no defence of the back four at all. So I think it has to players have to take responsibility. When it's gone on for two or three years, they have to accept that. I know it's a different group, but they've not been good enough. There was missed chances, like I said. I think that they they created a fair bit, actually. If you look at the stats alone, and stats don't tell you if it was not played with stats, but they did create chances, uh, which didn't do at Sunderland. I think they played into Leicester's box like two or three times more than Leicester did into the Southampton box. But every single time they got towards the, the final third, they were completely unmarked and they were able just to walk on through. I do think Gavin Mazzuno had another good game, to be fair to him. Um, obviously, yeah, he did well. Good couple of saves and his distribution was really good as well. But it was interesting listening to Russell Martin because, uh, you know, after Sunderland, he said it was terrible. After Gillingham, he said it was terrible and he took responsibility for those. So I thought it was going to be the same again. And then when the quotes start coming through that he's proud and then he comes in and says the same thing to us, it was a bit of a surprise. I see certain bits of where he's coming from, but yeah, it's not good enough, is it? I spoke to Russell on Monday at Staplewood before the game. And he, we, we actually sort of chatted about this reputation for, for not having any give and for, for keeping the same tactics constantly. And he said, you know, although the, you know, the idea is we'll play with plan A the whole time, there will be tweaks. We're not naive. We're not stupid. So I'm, I'm interested to see what those tweaks are on Tuesday because there's going to have to be a few. Yeah, Tuesday's going to be huge, isn't it? Well, I want to get on to that interview that you did and the time you spent with him. So maybe we'll do that at the end if we've got a bit of time. Um, Glenn, if we're defending him, you look at the the time he's been at the club, the drama, the uncertainty of the transfer window, and then there was the international break. I think Alfie pointed out, I think four of the starting 11 were, were training this week. He's had a lot to deal with. You then chuck in the the injuries. You've got um, Stevens and Bednarek, who were both out. You think they might have made a difference had they played on on Friday. So he just needs a bit of time, right? He does, but we can't be getting thrashed like this, you know. You because it's it's just. I mean that that game as a supporter was a miserable experience from the twentieth second onwards. It was abysmal. It just just sat there, and it's like, oh my word, this is just this is awful. It was on a par with any of the dreadful games last season, apart from Nottingham Forest. It it was it was just just awful because we just I, I never felt like we were getting anything out of the game even even at 2-1 you could say there's going to be another mistake we were just there just seemed to be no pattern to to the game the only thing that I can think of in terms of mitigating you know any mitigation sorry is that maybe it was some sort of tactical thing that he'd come up with specifically for the Leicester game yes it didn't work but hopefully it was just something that he'd come up with for that particular game that didn't work and we're not going to try and do that again because you, if you play that open against anybody, you're going to be letting in at least two goals in any game against any opposition. If you play like that, you're going to let in at least two. And then you're relying on our strikers to hit the net three times. And, you know, Che, che Adams had another one of those, manages to hit the goalkeeper from anywhere sort mm. of games. Adam, Adam Armstrong as well. Adam Armstrong was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. He picked up the ball a couple of times, drove into space, and he just thought, oh, here we go. This is what he's good at now, and just gave the ball away, or the shooting was terrible. I thought uh, there was right. no ownership on the pitch, though. Nobody sort of took responsibility of anything. You know, they had that no. short free kick where they just passed it five yards, and then they completely left it and left to a throw on goal because they just, you know, ran the yeah. length of the pitch. It, it wasn't until Alcaraz and Stuart Armstrong came on that I thought people actually looked like they wanted to do something. And the game was dead by then. But th- those two, I thought, added a little bit that w- that wasn't there before. But, you know, Russell Martin's got to get the, the balance right. As Steve said, the midfield, there was no balance in that midfield at all. There's no There was no real grit in there. You know, he's got to accept Will Smallbone is not a defensive player at all he just isn't and if you use him as as one of the defensive players it just it it just is not going to work 
he's one of the he's a sort of number eight slash ten, the same as Arm, same as Stuart Armstrong, same as Alcaraz, you, you know. And so my criticism of Russell Martin is he's got to get the balance right, but between our our attacking and our defending. I mean, we joked about the rest defence thing last year because that was all we were concerned about. All, all you know, the the Ruben Sellers picking eleven defenders basically, but. You, you can't play with, you know, I mean, at times in the second half, you, you've got Shay Charles closing down people on the halfway line and just two defenders behind him, one of which is Ryan Manning, and he's mm. not the best defender. So it, it, it just, it's just absolutely mad. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sort of advocating that Russell Martin needs to go or anything like that. Of course not. But, yeah, I, it, I, I feel that he just needs to get back to basics. You can do complicated things if you if you are getting to the stage where the basics are nailed down. You know, then you can try and tweak it. And, um, you know, you can play your fullbacks in midfield if that's what you want to do. But for now, the players don't seem to get whatever it is he's telling them to do, as Carl Walker-Peters said. So just pick a back four, put two defensive midfield players in front of it and go from there. And, and see what happens. Because if we play like we did against Leicester, we'll get beat by Ipswich as well. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's a, there's a few question marks. And it's not okay for Russell Martin to finish 13th this year, like it has been when he was at Swansea, like it was when he was at MK Dons. You know, we've got to be better than that. And, I'm you know, I'm not saying that we're entitled to finish in the top six. We're not. And if we play like we did yesterday, we certainly won't going to be nowhere near it. Steve, just quickly, I guess, what happens next for you? I mean, does he stick to his guns with the, the, the way we're playing, playing out from the back and and just somehow work on switching out and stopping the mistakes? Or is it a different style, change of personnel? Because we've got to stop conceding four goals every game somehow. Well, I mean, the, the, the long short of it is we don't have time to be coming up with a whole new system and changing things wholesale because we've played on a Friday night, we've got the next game Tuesday and we've got another game Saturday. You don't have enough training sessions in the week to be able to come up with a new system that we've presumably not worked on because plan A was plan A and it's also plan B hmm. um, from the start of pre-season. That's, that's kind of where, where we've kind of expected to be. We, we knew that was, I think that's kind of what you, what you kind of almost accept when, um, when you appoint a, a sort of ideologue as a manager when they've got they've got one way of one way that they want to play and they're going to play it so you don't work on any, you don't work on anything else so i think realistically the only changes that that can be made are likely to be personnel um must admit i was surprised che adam started friday given that he'd started for scotland only three days previous and and had basically been given the complete runaround by england at hampton park that was his first start too wasn't it uh i think yeah uh, no, he started at Plymouth as well, didn't he? I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's he's not played an awful lot. Yeah, so that's that's probably even more surprising that he that he got the start in this one. But I guess it's not him, get... is it? Adam Armstrong. Well, Mara, yeah, yeah, it? that's true. Yeah, I mean, then I guess you you're then looking into the sort of I guess the sort of false nine hmm. front three where. I mean, we've I mean we've had a lot of false nines over the years, haven't we? Um, <laughs> One of them scored today, didn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, I, I guess in that situation, you kind of look at it and think, well, okay, who else is there? But then, if if you're putting a player out there who's not going to be able to do it for um, for ninety minutes or even even for an hour, then I mean, you've probably probably not got the right the right guys in there. Um, so yeah, it's. It's 
frustrating that that we're already in in sort of backpedaling mode and saying okay how how do we fit how do we fix this i mean ultimately we've got to get through this month and actually one one of the fixtures that is surprisingly actually going to be sort of one of those where you can look to get yourself back on the road is that game on Saturday at Middlesbrough because they've been surprisingly awful and I mean I know they've got they get to play Sheffield Wednesday on um, on Tuesday night so they might play themselves back into form but um, having lost basically their their two key players from last season they've not um, not really not really started this season I think they got a point from um, a point so far all season so yeah, I mean, we we obviously know what will happen now on Saturday, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, you're now looking at these two games. And I think you've got to just steady the ship, but how you do it, realistically, with the time available, it's it's personnel. You're chop, you're chopping and changing and just trying trying to stumble upon the right combination. But I think that's got to start with with that that base of midfield, and Shea Charles has got to play there. You pick the pick the centre backs uh, behind him based on who else is available. Um, if it's Mason Holgate, it's Mason Holgate. Fine. Benarek should um, be back, so that's a boost. Well, if he is, then then that that probably solves solves that mm. solves that problem immediately. Then doesn't it's it? It's not often we've said that on this podcast, mm. is it? Bednarek's back, and that's going to be a boost. Um, <laughs> just before we put the game to bed, I'm going to ask you for a player of the the week as well, um, Alfie. Just on the the red cards. I mean, I I was in the car on the way home by then. So red, do you think, or do you think they're going to appeal it? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think Glenn's assessment before we went out there was correct that Boy Madley hadn't had anything to do all game, and therefore he just wanted a chance to to steal the light. And I don't think I don't think it's a red card to be honest. I think he's, I can see people say that the studs were up and it went down onto the player, but you know I asked Russell Martin about it after, and they will appeal if they think there's grounds to, but he hadn't seen it back at the time, so not too much to report on that really. But um, I'd like to think they'll appeal it, but he's not available for Tuesday in any case. I mean, how long does that take, Stephen? Glenn's usually. A week or well, two. they, I mean, because because of the fact that there is a game Tuesday, they can put the appeal in Monday and they'll hear it that day. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, it should be more yeah. or less, hmm. more or less instant. Well, yeah, that, that's good because if Samadozi has gone off for knock and isn't fit for Tuesday, then they're down to what Ryan Fraser and Seku Mara on the wing again. Um, so they could probably do with him. Well, Mara, Mara seemed to do quite well on the international duty, so maybe he's he's a guy. They that's... all do when they're away. They all yeah. do, yeah. And the twenty-one football as well. So <laughs> player of the week for you, Steve. Anyone stand out? There's only two, only really two options for me. Um, I mean, Gavin Bazunu had one of his best games for us, which is frankly a ridiculous thing to say when we've lost four-one at home. But um, I thought he was very good. Made a handful of really good saves. That one in the first half was excellent. I thought mm. the one where he t- where he tipped the tipped the shot wide. Time. Yeah, yeah, from Ndidi, I think was it. Mm, yeah, from possibly. distance. Mm. And yeah, I think his his distribution is is getting better. He's mm. obviously he's yeah. playing in a system now which suits that. Um, suits that style, which it didn't last season. That's for I sure. think he's brave as well. To be um, fair, when he's on the yeah. ball, because he gets a lot of like, there's a lot of you know gears to get it forward and stuff. But he never seems to, and and when he does, yeah. he usually picks the right time. In fairness, yeah. Mm. Uh, Glenn, yeah. standout player for you? Yeah, I'm Bednarek. <laughs> <laughs> he became a better player through not playing. Yeah, well, we had that <laughs> last week. Didn't we? <laughs> Honestly, well, yeah. I mean, sensible answer. Bazuni's mm. the only one that I can yeah. pick. The rest of them were crap. So I got absolutely nothing to say about the. Um, the rest of the players, I mean, Armstrong and Alcaraz, I mentioned that they only played 20 minutes each or whatever. Dozy, possibly. I at a push for, for half the game, but no, Bednarek for me. Same for you, Alfie? Yeah, there's nothing more to say about that, is there really? Okay. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ipswich are the visitors to St Mary's on Tuesday evening. Joining us to help preview that game, I'm pleased to say, is Ben from the Blue Monday podcast. Ben, how are you? You are right? I was all right before I listened to the last 10 minutes of you lot talking about Friday night. (laughs) Cheer up, lads. Come on. (laughs) Uh, we've had this for about three years so uh, I mean you're absolutely flying at the moment I mean did you think that you'd be what sitting third in the table after six games this is just like the stuff of dreams at the moment the best best start no absolutely of course we didn't no um I always maintain if you're a league one team with momentum a promoter team I think you've got about six to eight weeks of kind of head start on your pattern of play and your momentum against teams, you know, like yourself, who've had a transfer window, a new manager and all of this, pattern of play's not settled. You've got that time to sort of bank. And there's been a few coin flip games where we, if we weren't super confident and have basically been winning since February, we wouldn't have won them. But, you you know, you you know what it's like with, with football. You get on these runs and the muscle memory kicks in and... Um, just just kept going and five wins from six we all we all sat there before the season and you you know if you can get I don't know eight points from five games you would have been well chuffed and it's 15 points from six is just way beyond anything we expected but I will take it <laughs> unfortunately ours is a different sort of muscle memory that uh, that kicks in <laughs> the uh, the away for is it nine points from nine away from home i mean that that's that's outstanding that is that down to the motivation and the the the, the sort of the carryover like you say from from last season potentially yeah i mean i don't know if you saw our game on opening day sunderland could have they had two spells where we were clinging on basically and again it's just we're just used to winning qpr was exactly the Exactly the same. That was a coin flip. And actually, um, they had to take out Sinclair Armstrong and Sam Field. And it's just, I know you don't want to hear it when you're when you just conceded nine goals in two games, but just everything seems to be going in. I know you have to take advantage of those things when they happen and be be playing well and have a good flow to your game. But I agree with whoever it was said about Sheffield Wednesday, because that was when you talk about having a six to eight week advantage from promotion if you don't have a chaotic summer I think they are the proof that if you do silly things and you know your owner rungs and mock then you can completely throw that advantage away so that was a that was a comfortable win but obviously um Southampton away may not be quite as easy well, I mean, we'll see, because what is a given is that you're probably scoring the first two minutes, but what sort of football <laughs> are we going to see after that? What sort of team are we going to see? Well, uh, I mean, you joke, but that's the hope, isn't it? We were all watching, I mean, 
I, I literally I had to double take on the. I was actually at Birmingham Millwall covering that game, and your five nil came in. I'm like, what? You know, it's kind of the, the most championship scoreline in history. I'm like, how has that happened? And I was watching on Friday night, and look, it's patently obvious that budget, player for player caliber, Ipswich are not as good as Southampton. We all get that, but if you've got this hoodoo in your head, and you know the fans are maybe a little bit suspicious about the the pattern of play and the players haven't quite got it yet and these early goals are going in I think every single Ipswich fan is going to have their fingers crossed that we can score an early goal because you know what that's going to do to the atmosphere there and listening to your conversation I, I hate to say it guys I've done League One MK I've done Championship Swansea he ain't going back to basics. He'll double down on Tuesday. You you know he will. So we've got our mm. we've got our fingers crossed um, that that's going to be the case, and um, we catch you at the catch you at the right time. Because obviously, as I say, player for player, budget, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it's it's a mismatch. But we're in that six to eight week period, and we have our fingers crossed. What's um, that first five minutes going to be like, Glenn? I mean, it's going to be nervy, isn't it? It's going to be absolutely huge. Um, I've, I've a good mind to just like stay in the concourse, maybe, and, and then yeah. just take my seat a bit later. Well, if we kick off, I we just take one touch and then like that Peter K commercial, <laughs> just launch it out of the crowd. <laughs> um, but obviously, we're not we're not going to do that. I mean, no matter what you say, no, or no matter what Russell Martin says to fans about you know, keeping calm and trying not to transmit stuff to the players. If we start passing the ball across the six-yard box, then it, it's going to get nervy. It's bound to after the starts we've made in the last two games. I mean, we we were one nil down after 20 seconds. We really should have been 2 nil down after about three minutes. Howard Bellis did a crazy pass. Howard um, Bellis is a great player, by the way. He was superb, yeah. absolutely superb for Burnley last season. Yeah. I'm sure he would be, but you, you could... You could have dropped Paolo Maldini into that place um, <laughs> with the shambles that was going on around him. Yeah, I'm sure Howard Bellis will be will be talking about him in three three six months time, saying what a great player he was. But no, I'm not I'm not looking forward to the first to the first five minutes. But you know, we we have to negotiate that, and, and we have to make sure that we, you know, I, I know I say back to basics but we we can't afford to do anything really really stupid at the start of the game because you know another sort of like abysmal fan experience like we had on friday night is um is not is not going to be fun for anybody and 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 ultimately we will end up losing the game if we uh if we start terribly again so uh optimistic that there will be lessons learned because at least there were two weeks between the sunderland and uh and this game if you can't learn a few lessons when it's still that fresh in your memory four days later then uh, then you are struggling a bit so uh, yeah it will it will be nervy but hopefully we'll manage it a little bit better than we did on friday you mentioned fan experience glenn i would pay good money to see the responses to that email that gets sent out about the fan experience <laughs> survey it's still doing it tone deaf but the, yeah, i mean it's, it's clearly one. some auto- automated system yeah, surely, surely there's got to be a, a sort of big red button yeah. of abort abort <laughs> I'm going to get uh, score predictions from you in just a moment. I mean, Alfie, just finally, I mean, this is not the game we wanted when the team is really fragile, mm-hmm. is it? You don't want to be playing, um, you don't want to be playing a team that are good away from home, someone that's got their tails up. This is this is the game that we don't really want on Tuesday night. Yeah, I was just listening to Ben, I was just having a look at his results as well. And they've, defensively, apart from Leeds, and obviously the other day, I can't remember against two, they've actually been pretty good. I think four clean sheets out of the six or seven games this season, including the Cups as well. So Clean sheets? Um, what are they? 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a miracle, isn't it? Uh, so we'll have to see. I mean, I'm I'm nervous. They, they'd have much rather play this game um, Portman Road. I'm I'm sure of that. You know, St Mary's is going to be a very interesting place on Tuesday, and I just agree with Glenn. I, I almost just hope for for the players' sake that they just don't do anything stupid in the first ten minutes. Because if they give away a goal, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be hell in there. Um, and it must be an incredibly tough atmosphere to play in. And, you know, Russell Martin did his best to not blame supporters, which is a, a nice positive on last season, but. You know, he did. He did say that it's not easy for them, you know, in that atmosphere, and it, it's not easy to be fair. Um, he understands the fans and all this sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. All right, let's get some score predictions then, Ben, because I know you've got to go and do your own podcast tonight. So, how do you think it's going to play out? Score prediction from you first, Ben. I mean, everything goes towards both teams to score, doesn't it? The way we're attacking and the way you're defending, and the kind of quality that you guys have got, and we expect the shot count to be. To be high. I, w- I will actually stand up for Russ Martin for one sec. I did agree in his interview. I, I get the um even as an ex Norwich player. <laughs> um <laughs> I I get the I get the I'm proud of the players is a bit jarring, but he was right that um Leicester presented Southampton with chances as well, and Leicester's mm-hmm. final ball and finishing was absolutely um bob on and perhaps Southampton's wasn't. So yeah, both teams to score. Look. We've got Blackburn at the weekend at home on Saturday, which would appear on paper to be an easy game. We've beaten Sheffield Wednesday. If the three-game weekends with six points, then we're we're laughing. If we leave with anything and goals, we'll be super super happy with that, um, given the context that it's that it's three games. Um, so I'm going to sit on the fence and um, I'll go for a I'll go for some kind of scoring draw with. Probably 35 shots between both sides. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thanks for joining us, Ben. I'm going to let you go because, as I say, you've got your own podcast to do. And uh, we'll catch up later in the season, hopefully. So, uh, yes, I'll, I'll be down there on Tuesday. So, yeah, looking oh, forward nice to it. Oh, nice stuff. All right. Cheers, Ben. Thanks right, for joining okay, us. Cheers. Um, I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, Steve, score prediction from you for Tuesday? Um, I'm done with being stupidly optimistic with um, <laughs> yes with we're back. For, the t- for the time being so um, <laughs> on. three two defeat three two defeat uh i think we will score but i think they'll get three because i think every time they have a shot on target they'll end up going in like four. <laughs> um glenn oh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna still stay on the optimism train oh, that no. we, we, we we will we will sort it out it won't be fun uh i think it'll be high scoring again i'll go for a three two win okay Alfie, do you think the lessons will be learned? Are they going to watch well, this one back? If Steve and Glenn both went for a positive result or a negative <laughs> result, I was going to go for a positive one. But as Glenn's gone for a win, I'll stick for a draw and say two will draw. Okay. Well, if you're watching live, don't forget to put your predictions into the comments. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see you on Tuesday. At the weekend, it's another long trip north to Middlesbrough. And uh, we're going to preview the game. Now, Dana from the Borough Breakdown podcast is with us to preview this one. Thanks for coming on. After losing to Coventry in the, the playoffs last season, this is probably not quite the kind of start you'd have been expecting. Is it just not quite clicking yet? Things not quite gelling? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you could say that. There's there's a whole host of problems at the moment. I think Carrick is trying to manage the expectations set from last season and we have a completely different team. We don't have the loanies that we had last season and, and therefore there is a lot of difference and I think football fans always want 
results instantly and I just don't think that's going to happen with us to be honest I did think that we would have a few teething issues but not quite this drastically bad I mean I just listened to his talk there about um a couple of if- iffy results for you guys but at least you've got more than one point on the table I mean <laughs> Christ <laughs> alive the fact that Sheffield Wednesday are above us we've had a dreadful start to the season and what what can I what positive can I say? It's um yeah, it's been really really bad, really bad guys. This is better. I can't be handling the optimism of the uh, the Ipswich fan. This is, you're amongst friends. <laughs> um, are they playing good football and just just not getting the results? Because that's what the manager would have you believe in in some of his interviews. Yeah, he's he's bound to say that though, isn't he? You know what? I think at the very very beginning of the season, I think there were some good signs. But to be honest, the QPR game before the international break was terrible. Honestly, the we are very, very slow in possession. Last season, the exact opposite. We were very incisive, very quick, slick. Um, we knew exactly what we were going to do because the players knew each other's games really well. This season, it has just been incredibly slow, sluggish, predictable, static. There's so many buzzwords that I can throw at you that describes us and I think there has been glimpses the last 40 minutes against Blackburn we were better we were probing but to be honest we had to we were tunneled down you know we couldn't exactly just kind of camp in in and around the the center of the of the pitch and just I don't know expect someone to pluck a goal out of the sky it's been poor and results have have showed that there's not you know we tried to search for positives from the Blackburn game and that 40 minute spell in the second half where we had to go for it was pretty much the only thing that we could come up with to be honest so yeah it's um it's not great up in Teesside at the moment what's the atmosphere going to be like what's the home form be like is it a case of the the teams will come get an early goal and then then it turns a little bit does that make it difficult is that the key yeah I think if you score first Borough fans are a passionate bunch the old cliche about northeast football supporters being incredibly passionate is very true um I think that's the case for all fans though to be honest but I think if if you guys score first I do think the crowd will turn and you might I mean we were booing <laughs> I wasn't booing but um there were fans booing at Ewood Park on Saturday and I was kind of thinking well what are we booing at are we booing at the players are we booing at Carrick are we booing at the chairman it's a very confusing spot that we're in at the moment but there is pressure that's mounting on Carrick the corner of Middlesbrough fans that are already saying that if he doesn't win on Tuesday then um, there might be reason to suggest that he should go which is crazy thinking about how good we were last season. Does he not have a lo- whole load of credit in the bank for that last season, given that he obviously took over in what October, November when when Wilder left when you were awful similar to what you've what you've started this season and then suddenly you end up in the playoffs so has has he not kind of earned himself the right to have a bit of an iffy start and and kind of trust him to work it out in the end yeah I think so I think so absolutely I think this is Carrick's first job in senior management obviously he had that spell uh, interim charge at Man United but this is very different to that and I think spot on what you said there Steve I think he has built up that that time and he he probably is allowed that time to firstly make mistakes as I said this is his first spell as as a senior manager and he's going to have the you know his inexperience is going to show but because of how good he made the team last season I think he has allowed that time to manoeuvre through this really bad period and hopefully see the better side of it 
um, on the other end. But yeah, it's it's a tricky spot at the moment because as I said, as I said, like football fans, they always want results instantly, uh, but they don't want that growing period. Um, they can accept that we have development players and players with potential, but they still want results right now. And it's yeah. Football's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a very unforgiving, impatient sort of uh, atmosphere. You think, Glenn, this might be the game to get things back on track. It's a shame this one's not on Tuesday night, really. Um, well, when the fixture list came out, you, you sort of like see this month and Ipswich at home was the one you think was a banker and Middlesbrough away because of how well they did last year, you think well, that's going to be a really, really difficult one. As far as we're concerned, I mean, obviously a lot will depend on the mood after the Ipswich game on, on Tuesday. But if we get beat by Ipswich, then we can't be going to Middlesbrough and, and getting beaten again. But both team seasons, it, it could be quite significant changes on um, on on the midweek games, as, as Dana said. If they get beat by, is it Sheffield Wednesday you're playing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. if, you, if you get beat by then, the, the mood... Is going to be <laughs> almost suicidal out there on um, on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. And, and likewise, if we get beat by Ipswich, it it will be a, it will suddenly become a huge game. But if either team picks up a win midweek, then the, you know the pressure's off a little bit. So um, I hope for uh, I hope for your sake, Dana, that you win the game on uh, on uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, whenever it is. Yeah, I don't Wednesday. think I can. I can't. I don't think I can hack losing to Chef Wed because, like, before the season started, I earmarked them as the worst team in the league, and the fact that we are currently worse than the worst team in the league that's not good yeah, so, making, yeah making predictions like that will always come back and bite you yeah <laughs> it will it will to be fair i don't think chef united chef wednesday fans could argue with that to be fair so you know it is what it is to be yeah. fair i did say second for us as well so that i'm i've already got half the egg on my face now. <laughs> do you think away from home might help a bit alfie i mean a lot of this depends of course on on tuesday night and, and how it goes but it's going to be that 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 first five or ten minutes against Ipswich is going to be so key, and I think that has a big say on mm. on on how this game plays out on on Saturday. Yeah, it's tough to talk about a game that's a week where you've got one in between. Um, mm. To be fair, because like Glenn said, the the mood can completely change based on what happens Tuesday. Um, but I think they'll definitely be happier to be away from home at the moment. Whatever it is, for the last two or three years just can't seem to get a result of St Mary's. I know that I know they have done against QPR, but I think Middlesbrough only scored four goals in six games, is it? So I mean, Gavin Bazunu might be eyeing up that that clean sheet. The clean sheet. <laughs> no and I've looked at it as well. Only one team have conceded more than Middlesbrough this season, as well. Whoever they are. I'm going to get some some score predictions from you, Dana. Do you want to start? I appreciate you got the game on Tuesday as well, but uh, if I can get a score prediction from you for for Saturday. Oh well, you know what? I know you <laughs> you just said there that you've conceded more goals than us, but we can't seem to hit a barn door at the moment. I mean, the way that we scored against Blackburn actually came from a really crap shot, and then Crooks managed to to tap it in, and he was about ten yards offside somehow. <laughs> um, you know, inept EFL refereeing, but we'll take it. <laughs> um, a goal on the board. I'm going to go with, I think we will score. I think it'll be a 2-1 defeat for us. I think you'll win. Okay. Um, you'll, you'll scrape the win there. I, I agree, actually. I, I'd put a 2-1 down when I was thinking about this earlier. Steve, a uh, prediction from you? Um, yeah, I mean, I as much as I kind of think that eventually we're going to have to keep a clean sheet, yeah, even though Borough can't can't score to save their lives, we will find a way of giving them one. So, um, <laughs> but, I, but, I think at, so. but I think at the other end, as you say, they've, they've been conceding goals um, almost as um, cheerfully as we have. So, uh, 3-1 win. Okay, Glenn? 
Um, I'm going to say exactly the same as Steve, which I realise makes me slightly insane because I predicted us to win twice in a week, having wow. just got absolutely smashed. Uh, scoring, two six, games, scoring six goals as well. Two games, two games running, but uh, but yeah, no, I I I totally agree with the um, with the sentiment. We will let in a goal, and it might even be the first goal as usual. But I I, I feel that we will have too much going forward for a team that is almost as bad defensively as we are. So um, yeah, I'll um, I th- I think our um, you know the, the the fact that we do despite our negativity or my negativity still still do have some good players in attacking areas i um i fancy us to get some goals in that game so yeah i'll go for a 3-1 win okay and now for your long trip north for you um you going up the day before for this one yeah i'll go up on friday yeah for sure and um, there's been so many of them there this season we've got newcastle we've done twice we've done middle sunderland already uh Middlesbrough's half an hour short of those was a bit of a dream but i'm gonna go uh, i'll just say we're gonna the goals are gonna come flying in i think it's gonna be a 4-2 win 4-2 win blimey okay again if you're watching along live <laughs> you don't need you to can, hit a barn door uh... to score against southampton that's not <laughs> <that's really laughs> uh stick your predictions uh, in the comments if you're watching live uh dana thanks for coming on um cheers like, a really much. useful yeah. insight good luck against wednesday and uh yeah we'll catch up again later in the season if that's all right yep thanks guys see you there good luck but not on Sadder. fair enough couple of other bits before we finish. Alfie, I wanted to touch on your, your time you spent at the, the training ground on, on Monday. Nice to be invited down, have a look yeah, I'm around. not sure I'm going to be invited back, though, to be honest. I'm not worried now. Um, Just to see uh, how the training sessions were held and, and sit down with, with, with Russell Martin. A lot has been said about him this week, obviously, and the result didn't help. But um, just your thoughts. And I read the piece and he just came across really well. Yeah, it's like I say, it's a shame that, that result happened, really, because it, it now feels a little bit like a sort of an X-Factor sob story, like, please don't kick me off because I've had a terrible... But he had a really tough tough upbringing. And, and you know what? Fair play to him for inviting me in. I asked to do the interview with the club, um, just sort of, you know, an hour to sit down and chat. And they said, yeah, come on in and watch training as well. And it was weird because, you know, he had eight senior outfield players and I think Zach Arway and uh, one other, Prince Will, making up the numbers. Everyone else was way for international. You should have duty. taken your boots. Did they not ask yeah, you I could have got a game this weekend as well, I think. <laughs> But um, you know, he, he's he's a he's a really interesting guy. You know, he he lived with three of his brothers and a, a foster brother who his mum adopted, and his parents had left, and it was just him at the age of fifteen and his three brothers, and they all worked jobs to try and pay the family um, and whatnot. And it's just it's interesting where he's come from. You know, he's he's very new wave, very modern. You know, he he's not a massive fan of organized religion, but he's spiritual and he sort of takes aspects of Buddhism and he does visualization every now and then, and he believes in karmic retribution. So. I don't know what he's done as a defender to concede this many goals if he believes in karma. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. And he's a good guy. And this is why you sort of, you want these people to do well because yeah. you do you do back him and you do want him to do well. And I think they do care. And that's why I was surprised about his comments after the game, to be fair. I think he genuinely believes that the Southampton performance was good because he's been honest up to now. I don't see why that would change. I know there's an element of protecting the players and all this kind of thing. But, you know, he said that hopefully I can come back and sort of sit in on a few meetings and stuff like that in the future. We'll see if that comes to fruition. I'm a little bit worried now. Luckily, he's not superstitious, actually, so maybe I shouldn't be too worried about it. But, yeah, it feels weird to talk about it now, but it's worth a go back and have a read and just sort of check up on what he said because it was interesting. And these, you would like to think that these poor results and the, the rut that we're in at the moment is going to pass and it will all start to click. I'm still positive mm. enough to think that it is going to all click and it will be okay. Um, so maybe we look back on it then and go, actually, do you know what? This is this is the kind of manager that we need, especially after the last two that we've had 
because that just you wouldn't have been able to do that with them. No, you wouldn't. He's he's obviously a people's person. I think he's, I'm sure he knows what he's doing to an extent. I'm sure he knows that he wins support of supporters and media by doing this kind of thing. But the players have said the same thing, haven't they? You know, Carl Peters, when George spoke to him on the weekend, said the same thing. You know, first and foremost, it was Southampton, but of course, talking to the manager was great. Um, and then we actually had lunch with Russell as well, very briefly. Um, and we were talking off the record, and you know, the way he interacts with Joe Lumley, Ross Stewart, who was there. Um, you can see that he's a person who cares about it, very honest with them, um, and you just want him to do well. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. It's just this week will define the rest mm. of the season, won't it, Glenn? Because if you, like you say, if we don't get the result on Tuesday, and then if we can't get anything on Saturday, then God help us. It it just makes it. I don't think it really, you know, defines the season. But I mean, worst worst case scenario, we've got four defeats in a row. It's that that's not the sort of thing that anybody really expected to happen going into this season in the championship, regardless of the churn of players and, and, mm. and stuff like that. You know, we, we have expectations this season set by the club to be one of the better sides in this division and getting beat four times in a row, let alone by the number of goals we have been getting beat by is, is, is not part of the plan. You know, Russell's got this thing that's followed him around at every club he's been at that he, he can't sort the defense out. And it's, you know, it's a worrying thing letting in nine goals in in two games and being having let in more than anybody in the league. I think it's actually a record, isn't it? I think I saw someone says yeah. champion record in five or six games. Yeah. I think you tweeted something out, Alfie. That you know we've let in sixteen goals in six games, which is about ten too many, mm-hmm. and that, that's that is correct. And you know, some of them have been horrible. It's, it's not all the passing out from the back stuff. It's the it's the lack. You know, the lack of tracking from midfield. The um, not stopping crosses coming into the box. It's Steve's hobby horse. You know, there's, there's so many basic things that we do not do defensively. Have we got an actual defense coach? Or is... No, there's anyone specifically assigned to that, no. Um... Yeah. yeah. The, the, the set-piece coach, isn't there? Set-piece coach, but... You know, we, we, we just we just don't look organised and, and it, it worries me. But, I mean, when I watched the Sheffield Wednesday game, we looked like we had a structure. You know, mm. we had a back four, we had a player in front of the back four, and then we had... Yeah, James Ward-Prowse. Two number eights. So obviously, we had better mm. players at that time. Mm. And if we'd had that structure against Leicester, I felt like we could have got something out of the game. But uh, for some reason, we, we, we tried something different. So, yeah, I, I hope Russell Martin gets it right. Um, a win on... Tuesday would would make would put everybody back on the front foot again and you mm. could you know write these two games off as a blip but if you lose four games in a row it's a little bit mm. so yeah these two games will define the mood of a lot of supporters going forward I think I read somewhere this week we're on at the current rate we're on track to concede 120 goals this season <laughs> which, which is, is not really going to get us in the the top six is it but Steve I mean I'm sure you've read the article as well and, and you you know enough about the man now how long do you think we've got to wait you know patience is the key we've said that quite a few times now um what's your sort of gut feeling before it all starts to click <sighs> Cross knows. Um, it's hmm. it's weird because in because those first four games, like in attack, I think we looked we looked competent. We looked like we had a plan, and that ultimately our better players would see us home in so many games. And in certainly in those first four games, that was that was the case. We we got um, we got goals quite late in games. Um, certainly in those first three, which um, which got us got us points. And basically, it seemed as if we were we were going to be able to essentially outshoot teams. 
Mm. Now, maybe it's just because we've come up against two teams who are of the better uh, teams in the league. Um, I mean, Sunderland have surprised me. Um, I mean, they were obviously good last season, but they've basically lost their two most um, two most attack-minded players from last season. But I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that you look at um, like people have said, oh, we've um, we signed too many young players. We need we need more experience in this team. And you look at Sunderland, and they've basically got a load yeah. of seventeen-year-old, sixteen-year-old giving us a lesson. And yeah, it's 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 not. It's well, in the last two game. games, Steve, you know, the, I think the difference in the, the back four was the same in the first four games, unbeaten. Mm. They then lost Jack Stevens, obviously, and then they lost Jan Bednarek in succession. Yep. I mean, how much does that play a role? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's I think that's fairly important. I mean, those two are obviously vastly experienced. Mm. I mean, not the best defenders in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but you would think they're good enough for for championship level, and they've played together before mm. um, at a higher level. So, so yeah, you you would imagine that that centre back pairing. I mean, when when Stevens is fit, I mean, is that still going to be our our first choice? I I guess I think it might still be. Um, kind I'd of like to think that someone like Taylor Howard Bellis would have made a big enough impression by eight weeks' time or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You, you would you would hope so, but mm. I mean, if if it goes if it goes the way of Friday night, much um, sort of many on many more occasions, then perhaps not. It's just just infuriating, isn't it? That we can clearly see that the players individually are good enough they've they've shown that the ones that we've had in in the squad over a period of time they've shown individually that that they're capable and now i think that's basically four managers in in the space of a year have kind of struggled to get quite the right blend and get the cohesion between them so maybe it's not actually the managers that are the problem and that (laughs) we've got we've kind of got the wrong players. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, it's the last, the last two games have been chastening experiences for, for those of us who looked at the first, first sort of four games and thought, okay, well, we've, we've done enough here and actually we've done better than, better than we expected given the upheaval off the pitch. And it's weird that basically as soon as the transfer window's shut, that actually when the point at which we thought, oh, well, this, this will all calm down now and, and we'll be fine. And no, we've basically lit a lit a match somewhere, huh. and it's um, and it's all going up in flames. Going to be a big week. Yeah, while Russell Martin sits sits there with his with his cup of tea, cup of tea, <laughs> said this is this is okay like that like yeah, that meeting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, things have got to improve, and they've got to improve pretty quickly because, um, I mean, we've let's be honest, the last couple of years we've seen how quickly. Not just our fan base, but all but all fan bases. I think everybody is much less patient than they used to be. And the mood will turn quite quickly if there isn't some sort of t- visible sort of sign that things are things are at least being looked at and things are um, becoming a little bit more organised. Because yeah, those the last two games, especially defensively, has been an absolute mess. Yeah, we just need a good performance on Tuesday night and a clean sheet, and all is forgiven. There was one team that uh, learned from their defeat at Sunderland, the Saints women's team today. Great result. Um, I don't know if you caught the result earlier. Four-one winners against Reading, which was decent. A starting a goal for Atlanta Primus as well. Does that mean they're back at the top now, Steve? Uh, yeah, top and goal difference ahead of uh, Palace, who seem to be yeah seem to be sort of pushing a bit uh, financially this year. They've they've signed a couple of couple of good players on loan from Super League sides in the, in the last week or so. So yeah, they're they're looking strong. But as I, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we've we seem to have um, worked out how to score goals finally. So the the sort of attacking pressure that we built up in games last season where we just couldn't couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, we're now scoring those goals. 
so yeah, I mean, looks looks promising. It's going to be going to be an interesting season. I mean, obviously, still got the nonsense with the uh, only one team going up thing, but mm. until um, until the FA pull their head out of, out of the out of the sand, that's that's going to continue to be the case. But yeah, you just kind of hope that um, that we can carry on the way we, way we're going, and yeah, um, the t- title's there for probably three or four clubs, I think. Yeah, interesting season. Just finally, some sad news this week that former academy player Ben Cole passed away, aged just 24. I know there was a, a statement, Alfie, I saw you you did a, a piece about this, but someone that had played for, uh, was it England under-16s? Mm, yeah, yeah, England's um, academy. And, you know, I think that Ben, um, I don't know Ben personally, I've never spoken to him. Um, I don't know Daisy, his partner either, but, you know, I think he's been fighting this since, since you know, 2017. Um, but I think in one of his Instagram posts, he said, that he's had a really good six years, you know, although he's been fighting it for six years, it hasn't been, you know, all, all, all fighting and suffering. He's had a really good time. He's made the most of it. So, um, yeah, really emotional, really touching. Um, and it makes you realise that, you know, there are, there are a lot more important things. Yeah, puts it into perspective. If you're going to the Ipswich game, there is going to be a minute's applause um, before the game in memory of Ben. That's it for this week's episode. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. We're also on Instagram and Threads. You'll find us if you search for Total Saints Podcast on there. And as you'll know, if you're watching the podcast on a Sunday evening, we live stream TSP every week on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And we love hearing from you throughout the week. So do get in touch. Drop us a DM on any of the socials. Uh, We're also on Patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast podcast there's four tiers ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month each of the tiers comes with its own perks including some weekly shout outs for the patrons in up francis banali and our mick shannon tier so thanks to dave melton mark atkins andy hollis matt hall anthony thompson saints in exile gavin ford and james haran in the francis banali tier and also to colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed who are in our mick shannon tier Uh, thank you steve thanks to glenn thanks to alfie thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you again next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.